Welcome to Start, Scale, Sustain, a story-driven podcast for nonprofit leaders and entrepreneurs. I am your producer, Molly Heacock, and I am here with Justin Miller, the CEO and co-founder of Care for AIDS. Thanks, Molly. I'm excited to talk about fundraising today, which is an issue that a lot of people are uh, very uncomfortable with, but it has been one of the most fulfilling parts of my work to be involved in the ministry of fundraising. And I think that our listeners today will hopefully benefit from hearing about how Care for AIDS has grown to be a $3 million organization and, and what it's taken for us to get there. Yes. So for those of you who have been tuning in week over week, you know that in the beginning, we were a $200 a month organization of Justin in college, just sending money to Cornell and Duncan in Kenya. And he has been able to grow that organization through what you referred to, Justin, as the Ministry of Fundraising. So fundraising can be kind of a scary word. No one wants to be a fundraiser. No one wants to talk to a fundraiser. Tell me about how you have kind of redeemed the concept of fundraising or development or investment um, and, and why that's so important for a ministry to do. First of all, Molly, I want to say that if you're listening today and you are not in the nonprofit world, uh, that doesn't mean that this podcast doesn't apply to you today because we're talking to anybody that has a vision or a dream that they want to get funded and they're going to need partners to do that, whether that's through investing in equity or debt or making donations or grants to your organization. Um, we Money and resources play an important part of this process. And so please don't tune out. I think there's something here that could benefit you, even if you're not in the nonprofit space. But fundraising, as you said, is something that people have perceived for a long time. It's just this necessary evil in nonprofit work. We have to engage in it, but no one likes it. And we're going to go, we're going to do it very reluctantly. And I think we've even been identified by a lot of people as uh, beggars. They kind of think of these organizations who don't, they need the support of donors to do their work. And so they're coming to beg people for their support. And I just don't believe that is true at all. And that, that couldn't be further from the perspective that we have on fundraising. We believe that fundraising is an integral part of our ministry and it's a ministry to the donors that we get to work with. There's a, a, a great book called the spirituality of fundraising by Henry Nouwen. And he has this quote in there and it says, fundraising is first and foremost, a form of ministry. It is as spiritual as giving a sermon, entering a time of prayer, feeding the hungry or visiting the sick. And we see that as an opportunity with our donors to share with them an exciting vision that is happening halfway around the world that most of them would never have the opportunity to go and directly contribute their time and energy to, but they can send care for aids as their representative through their giving to do this great work. And I think if fundraising is done in the proper way, it can be a huge blessing to the organization, obviously who receives the funds, but also to the giver who gets the joy of participating in a work that's transforming lives and they get to see and hear about and, and be reported on on the things that, that are happening through the funds that they're investing. And I think if you can can change the way you think about fundraising and move from a begging mentality to a partnership mentality, if you can move from a scarcity mentality to a, an abundance mentality, that there's more than enough resources and we don't have to just compete for a kind of a zero sum game, but that you 
can, there is resources out there for your vision. If you're willing to, um, invest in those relationships and tell your story well, um, there will be people that want to partner with you. That's huge. I, you wrote an article for Forbes a couple months ago that I think you mentioned uh, in the article that you received a piece of mail once from a nonprofit that was like, if you just give to us this one time, we swear you'll never hear from us again. And that's a perfect illustration of that kind of beggar mentality that nonprofits have unfortunately fallen into a lot of times. Um, but Care for AIDS is so different. And I, I love the way you put it as it's a ministry to the donors. Um, is there a story or an example of a donor or a family who you feel your conversations with them when it comes to fundraising impacted them in a way, in a way bigger than Care for AIDS? Yeah, there's a, there's a great example of this. And I think when this, when fundraising goes well, you build a relationship with somebody and there's trust there. You're learning about their passions. And in some cases, you're actually trying to help them align their resources with whatever it is that God wants for them to partner with. And that may or may not be your organization, but through a relationship with a donor couple, we began talking to them about this issue of HIV and AIDS, which they had not been exposed to before we started this conversation, but they were in the process of trying to adopt a child. And they learned that it is the children that have HIV in the place they were going to adopt were the hardest children to be adopted. And they were rarely chosen by adoptive parents. And as they began to learn about the great work that Care for AIDS was doing in Kenya, and they started to learn about HIV and how it was something that could be managed very easily and, and how it is a, an issue that leads children to be ostracized and stigmatized, they decided that they were going to be open to adopting a child who had HIV. And to take that kind of step to invite a young child into your family who has HIV is such a courageous step and they would not have gotten to that point had it not been for the relationship that Care for AIDS formed with them and the way that we partnered together with them supporting the ministry and learning about the work that we were doing in Kenya. So I think you know, we really do want to be in a relationship with our donors in such a way where they are drawn closer to God through their relationship to us. And if we can help do that, um, either by receiving their gifts or by directing their gifts to other organizations that might be more aligned, uh, we want to do that. And, and that is the posture that we want to approach everything with through Care for AIDS. That's huge. You know, one of the core values at Care for AIDS, one of our essential behaviors that we talk about all the time um, is to help others win. And I definitely hear that come through every time you talk about, you know, we want to promote generosity, whether that is for Care for AIDS, whether people are giving to us or to another organization, we consider that to be a win. And I think that's such an innovative way to approach fundraising. Again, it's that operating out of abundance instead of scarcity. And I just think that that has been a game changer, not only for the internal culture of Care for AIDS, but for the donors and the bigger Care for AIDS family, I think you can feel the difference that that makes um, in every part of the organization. So Justin, tell us some practical ways. If one of our listeners just wants their vision to be funded, what are some steps that they can take, whether it's changing their vision about fundraising, how they approach it, what can they do to make that dream happen? I think there are six things that I've seen that need to be present 
in order for someone to to be funded. And these are ones that I've I've seen play out in the Care for Aid story, and we've actually talked about a few of them in the weeks prior on this podcast. So I won't spend a lot of time on them today. I really just want to focus on one of them, but I'll really quickly hit these other five because I think they're so important. The first thing is obviously there's got to be a passion there. It is is very easy to tell if somebody is trying to sell something that they don't believe in. And you need to have a genuine passion for the work that you're doing. And and at times you may feel like you're manufacturing that, but there, it, at some point there has to be a deep down conviction that, that this is an important work. And I think people will see that whether you're trying to pitch a for-profit company that you are willing to give everything to see started or a nonprofit cause that you want to dedicate your life to. The second thing goes back to an earlier conversation we had a few weeks ago, which is, which is your past. I think you, you have either stewarded those opportunities and that social capital well, and that's ready to be utilized in this, the launching of the funding of your organization, or you've squandered that and you may need some time to rebuild uh, what has been lost. And I've unfortunately met so many leaders. So I'm trying to help them design and launch their new organization, but they're having a really hard time getting people to buy in because they haven't shown a track record of successfully uh, launching and sustaining the organizations that they've launched in the past. The other thing I would say is, is this proof idea you want, if you're asking for, for big funders, there needs to be some evidence that you have shown your, your concept, your model to be successful. And we talked about that in the past. The next thing I say, you just have to have a plan in place. You, the, the sophisticated, uh, investors for profit or not for profit want to see that you've got a well thought out, business plan and how are you going to go about this? And we could talk about all the different components of that, but I think that plan needs to be in place. And then the next thing is just the presentation. Obviously you want to be able to tell your story in a way that will resonate with donors, um, both intellectually as well as emotionally. And the last thing though is where I want to spend the, the majority of our time. And it's on this, uh, the word I've chosen is, is the word profit. And if you're in a, in a for-profit, it's, it's a little bit easier to communicate, hey, this is the value that we're going to return to you as the investor. If you're in a nonprofit, I wouldn't call it profit. I might call it value and saying that you need to understand, just like in any, any for-profit environment, that, that there are two parties here that are participating and both parties, both the nonprofit and the person that's investing in that both expect to receive some kind of value from that. And I think we're so, we have been conditioned to think that it's a very one-sided relationship where the donor is just giving and the organization is just spending that to accomplish whatever program. But the donor or the investor is definitely expecting some kind of return or value. And if we don't understand what that is and how to provide that, we will not be able to build the kind of healthy donor relationships that we want. So for example, I would say uh, there's a few things that are important underneath this. First of all, you need to know who your uh, audience is uh, in a for-profit. We'd say our customer, but who is your donor customer that you're trying to reach with your message? And once you've identified that group, the next thing I would say is you need to understand what they value. Yes, all of them want to see some kind of social benefit created. That's one reason 
why they're entrusting you with their resources so you can create some kind of social impact. But they're also wanting something from you in return. It might be just transparency and how their resources are being used and deployed. It might be that they want connections into the community of givers that support your organization. It might be they want experiences where they can actually go and serve with your organization on the ground. But depending on which segment of your donors you're talking about, they have very different values. And we can't think that we can just communicate to our donors in one way and offer every donor the same thing and expect them to all be engaged with our work. That just That is not how you would approach a business uh, in that sense. You would look at segmenting who your customers are and you would deliver different value to them based on what they desire. And I think we forget that as a nonprofit that we need to do that same thing with our donors. And then the next thing is actually to go and, and to add that value to them. And you may not be able to be all things to all donors, but focusing on a few of those segments that you can really add a lot of value to and do that. Whether or not in the beginning, you know, if adding that value is going to produce a return to the ministry. We just believe that part of being servant leaders is we want to add value to people. And there needs to be over you know a short period of time, there needs to be some evidence that that's actually producing more engagement and return from your donors. But uh, we just encourage you to try to, to add value to people. And typically that is going to build greater loyalty and trust and return for your organization over time. And then once you've added value to those donors, then you have an opportunity to share the vision that you have with as much clarity and conviction as you possibly can. And, and we do have to focus a lot on how do we tell that story uh, to engage people with what we're doing. And then lastly, we believe you have to trust God with the results. Uh, we don't want to try to manufacture people's giving based on guilt or shame. We want people to give cheerfully, joyfully, and we believe that God will produce that uh, in a giver's heart if we're faithful to cultivate that relationship over time. And so I think those are just a few things, and there are some ways that we've done that within Care for AIDS that has been really productive for us. We've we shifted from hosting events where we talk about Care for AIDS to events where we talk about topics that we think would really resonate with our audience. We bring in speakers and we present them with content that they want to know about. And we do talk about the vision of Care for AIDS, but we want them to come not just to hear a pitch about Care for AIDS, but we want them to come to something where they can gain some value from being there. And I think changing that paradigm from, hey, this is what we want to say to the people that are listening to what is it that they want to receive uh, from us and how can we be the best at providing that value and then using that as an avenue to talk about the mission of Care for AIDS. I think that has revolutionized the way that we think about fundraising. It's huge. I mean, it's, it's absolutely treating donors like you would any other relationship. You don't go into any business relationship, friendship, marriage, expecting everything to be one-sided. And I think that that is such a truth that nonprofits can hold on to when it comes to their donor relationships. It's definitely a two-sided conversation. So at Care for AIDS, a couple years ago, we launched an $8 million campaign, which is the biggest fundraising goal we've ever put out there. Um, and I would love to hear from your perspective, how do you think 
kind of launching that really transparent and audacious campaign has affected care for AIDS internally, but also how has that inspired donors or changed the way that our donors relate to us? Yeah, well, anyone that's in a nonprofit position can relate to the rigors of an annual fundraising campaign and needing to raise your operating costs every year and how much pressure that puts on you in the fourth quarter. And there's just a lot of things that we're putting a lot of pressure on our organization. And we, we figured out there's got to be a better way to do this. And we weren't the ones to pioneer this idea, but we said, let's think about and communicate to our donors a three-year vision for the ministry, as opposed to just an annual vision. And let's ask them to partner with us for a period of three years, uh, as opposed to just an annual commitment. And that sounds simple, but it, it was revolutionary for us for a number of reasons. But the main one that I'll talk about is just what it did to elevate the vision of donors for this greater picture of what CareFrase wanted to accomplish and what it was going to take to get there. And I think talking about CareFrase just on an annual basis, I don't think a lot of our donors appreciated the the grand nature or the audacity of the vision that we had. And they were giving pretty modestly in response to a modest vision. And I I don't say that you have to cast this huge vision that's, that's unattainable and achievable. You you don't want to discourage people in, in thinking that big, but we knew that we needed to cast a bigger vision that was audacious, but also achievable for care for AIDS. And when our donors heard about what we wanted to achieve in the next three years, which was so much of a greater leap than we had done in the past, it led them to want to give much more generously to be part of that story and a part of the organization. And so I do believe that bigger ideas uh, attract bigger investments. And for us at care for AIDS going to this three year, eight and a half million dollar campaign was the thing that helped us realize a huge uh, increase in our giving. But we'd also done the work to build trust with our donors for years leading up to that. We weren't just asking them and then disappear for three years and then come back. We, uh, we felt an even greater responsibility to make sure that our donors felt well, well cared for during these three years and well communicated to and engaged so that uh, they would not grow fatigued in our work, but they would stay engaged. And so that for us has been a huge game changer in our fundraising. And I would just encourage you all who are listening or thinking about how do we raise funds? Uh, I just encourage you to think about that picture of the future that inspires passion in you. And in the near term, that may not sound like that grand of a vision, but if you have to talk about what you want to see happen in the next 10, 20, or even 30 years for your organization, lean into that as a amazing preferred picture of the future that donors can really rally around because talking about small, seemingly incremental advancements in your work did not inspire the same commitment or the same generosity from our donors as it did when we talked about the greater three-year vision. That's fantastic. And it really does. It ties back into a couple weeks ago, we talked about dream big, act small. And that's always kind of that space that the leader has to live in is to cast this big vision, but to continually and faithfully do those small things every day 
that the donors don't necessarily know about. They don't need to know about your emails or the paperwork, but they do need to be in on the vision of why are we doing this? What is the world going to look like 30 years from now because of the small actions we're taking? Um, so I just love that. I love that concept. And I think fundraising sits really well in that space where the leader lives. All right. So your last thoughts on, on big money. Um, the title of this episode is big money follows big vision. So, uh, for the listener out there who they're in that scale phase, they want to chase that big dream. What's your, what's your last thought for them? Well, I had a mentor tell me one time, this very simple equation to produce generosity. And he said it has four components and we've talked about a few of them here today. The first is passion. That's, that's something we've, we've covered uh, in this episode. The second thing is the vision. And we agree that people need to see that preferred, uh, picture of the future. The next thing is, is the results. And there's any number of ways that you can communicate the results. We enjoy taking people to the field, um, to see the work firsthand in Kenya. And for those that can't go, we do our best to communicate both in the stories and the statistics that we share about the kind of impact and the results that we're making. And so you do have to move at some point beyond just, this is the vision of what we want to see happen to this is actually what's happening through your investments. And then the last piece is just gratitude. And I believe that we need to constantly be expressing gratitude, um, not just to our donors, but to our team and, and our partners and, and anybody that's supporting us. And I believe that that gratitude will beget more generosity as people see that the work they're doing is producing results and that they're being very appreciated for their investment. And I feel like if a lot of nonprofits could do one thing better, it would just be to thank their donors better. And that seems like a simple thing, but it's probably the thing that would give them the biggest return on their investment if they just took the time to find ways to appreciate and thank those that are partnering with them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Justin. That's all for this week. Next week, we're going to be talking a lot about focus. Um, but until then, we hope you guys log on to justintmiller.com. We've got more content there. Connect with Justin on social media, and we look forward to talking with you next week. <laughs>